Hey, everybody. Uh, I'd love to have you take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms. book of Psalms right in the middle of your Bible. And in fact, uh, Psalm 130 is, uh, is where I'd like to, to kind of draw our attention today. Psalm 130, as we begin this, uh, this season called Advent, Advent uh, or Arrival, there's this season in the church year, the four weeks that lead up to Christmas that kind of help us prepare for the coming of Jesus, the celebration of, of the birth of Christ. Uh, it's December. Everybody ready for December? Like anybody else? Like the calendar just keeps turning very, very quickly and... Uh, and so it's kind of kind of wild, you know. We we enter this season, and for some of us, like maybe uh, maybe you're just sort of hanging on for dear life because because the season, the pace of life, is this is this crazy? I, I I know that for many of us that is the case. And so I hope like our worship gatherings. I hope these are moments when you can come and just breathe. Uh, you can come and just inhale. Uh, you can you can sort of recognize the presence of God with you that. Uh, that nothing is expected of you here in this moment except just your presence in the presence of God. To, to recognize that God is with you, that God loves you, that God is for you. And to just be open to that, to open yourself up to what God might want to say. That's, uh, that's, that's why we're here. And so uh, as we do that, and this morning as we look at hope, uh, we begin this, this season by talking about hope. Uh, in your bulletins, there's, a, there's an insert. And you can just pull that out if you, if you can. If you have a bulletin, and right on the, uh, the front of that insert that has the sermon outline on it, there's a question. And I want us all to just think about this question for a little bit as we begin the sermon. Uh, and it's a real simple question. What am I hoping for? What am I hoping for? And for you to answer that question. And you can, you can write those, uh, the, those hopes down on the paper if you, if you uh, just take you know, 10, 20 seconds and do that. What, what are you hoping for this morning? What are you hoping for? To name it. And nobody's going to look at these. It doesn't have to be like big world peace, you know. It can be a Super Bowl run for the Chiefs. So you can be hoping for that. You can be hoping for uh, upcoming vacation or Christmas gifts. Like all those are, you know, acceptable things. What are you, what are you hoping for this morning as you come into our worship gathering? So you can continue to, to just process that if you want to, to write those things down, even throughout the, throughout the morning. Uh, but one of the things is I've kind of had the advantage of, of being able to think about this, uh, being able to think about hope and hope in my life, how it functions, how it dysfunctions a little bit uh, in my own life. Uh, to be able to think about how hope and the things that I, throughout my life, has put my hope in, some of them have served me well and some of them have not at all. Uh, that some of the things that I've really put a lot of hope in, uh, it's turned out to be misplaced. That the hope in this thing, in this outcome, in this circumstance, turned out to be, to be a really hard thing to, to put my hope in because it didn't come true. It, the, the things never turned out the way that I wanted them to. And so thinking about like the, the, the kinds of things that we, we normally put our hope, because hope is future-oriented, it's looking ahead, the kinds of things that maybe we're putting our hope in that <clears throat> can turn out to be misplaced. Um, for, for some of us, we have, we have really grand hopes for our, our children. 
you know, I mean, our children are the future, right? So our children, our grandchildren, we have, we have like incredible hopes for them and, and, and we have dreams for them. And like, you know, the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, you know, the life verse, uh, God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. This is what parents say to their kids, right? God loves you and I have a wonderful plan. And if you would just follow this plan, this would be, this would be wonderful. Like my kids, I, I have a plan for them. They're going to be like concert musicians and world-renowned artists and um, I have these huge, these huge hopes. Um, and, and so maybe, maybe that's one of the places, like if we're really honest, we're putting our hope in our, our kids, and, and yet what happens when our kids buckle under the pressure? Like when we, we've just, we put too much weight on them to live up to these hopes. Uh, what happens when they make really bad decisions? Like they just do stupid stuff, right? And, and then all of a sudden, they're not only just dealing with their problems and the mess they've got their life into, they're dealing with the weight of our unmet hopes on their life. It becomes crushing. Hope, uh, c- in that sense, can be, uh, can be misplaced. Uh, some of us, we hope it for financial security. Well, like, we look ahead to the future and we think, man, like, when my retirement fund is, like, fully funded, that's going to be awesome, right? I mean, then um, I'll be able to really start uh, enjoying life. And so we... we, we um, we, we put our hope in that. We, we place our hope in, those, in, in finances. And the problem is that markets sometimes falter, don't they? Like markets, they, they fluctuate. And sometimes they even crash. Um, sometimes businesses fail. These investments, sometimes it doesn't turn out well. And so hope in, in that can, can be a really unstable thing. Uh, sometimes we put our hope in leaders, in people, uh, political leaders. Um, we put our hope in them or in celebrities, uh, advocates. Uh, sometimes we even put our hope in, in religious leaders, spiritual leaders, men and women of faith. And we think like, man, these people, these leaders, they're going to be the ones who are going to like lead us to the golden shore, you know, to the far shore and lead us to a better world. And so we're putting our hope in this person. And yet then the problem is that we come to find out that these people are, well, they're people. And that's the problem. They're a lot like us. They're flawed. They're broken, and all of a sudden, you know, like we've, we've put our hope in this person, and then the, the, the scandal breaks, right? The, 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 the tapes come out, the emails are exposed, and, and now what do we do? Because our hope was in this person, and it turned out to be, turned out to be misplaced. There's, a, there's an old Hindu proverb uh, that says, there's no disease like hope. How's that for like a depressing <laughs> way to start you know, the Advent season? There's no disease like hope, but there's some truth to that, isn't it? Because it's like when our hope that is so powerful, hope is such an essential thing to life, but to be very careful with it, because if we put our hope in something that can't bear the weight of it, something that is unstable, that is too shaky, then not only do we have to deal with the fallout of life, but we have to deal with the crushing weight of our our misplaced hopes and that our hopes are shattered. Have you been there? Like, have you ever felt that? That your hope was placed in this thing that just couldn't, couldn't handle it? Couldn't handle it. And maybe some of us, we feel that this morning. And so here's the deal. Like, life is fundamentally unstable. Um, life is, is shaky and, and unstable, but we need hope to get through it. Like, we won't get through life. We won't thrive in this world without hope. And so um, misplaced hope is a, is a very dangerous thing. One of the other things misplaced hope can do to us is it can lead us to be chronically discontent with the present moment. Right? I mean, have you ever felt that in yourself? Like you're just chronically discontent in the present moment because you're waiting 
for something else to happen in the future. I talked to somebody after first service um, who, who said they have this little, uh, this little thing written on the tank of their motorcycle. I'll let you guess who that is from first service. On the tank of their motorcycle, and I'll just, like, for, I didn't write it down, but um, don't wait for the perfect day or you may very well miss the perfect day. Right? Like, the, there's this reminder, this constant reminder that says there are no perfect days. There is no, like, oh, like, that day is going to be great, and then when that day comes, I'll start living. That's called someday syndrome. And, and some of us, like, maybe we suffer from that. We become chronically discontent in the present moment, and, and we look to the future, and we say, like, then, someday, I'll be able to, um, I'll be able to really start living. I mean, this is what Jesus talks about, too, in, in Matthew 4. Like when, when Jesus says, hey, be aware that there are two things that can choke out the life of God inside of you. He says uh, there, there are two things. One is the, the worries of this life. This is just being frantically worried about life, things you can't control. But the second one is the deceitfulness of wealth. That, that they can grow up like weeds and they choke out the life of God inside of us. This, this good and abundant and true life that God wants us to live. And so the deceitfulness of wealth can, can do this. And the deceitfulness of wealth, it, it feeds into the someday syndrome. They're like, someday, uh, someday when I make more money, like then we're, we're really going to start living. Like then we're going to enjoy life. Someday when our house is paid for, right? Like when the mortgage is paid and we're debt-free, then I'll be able to enjoy life and then we'll be happy. Someday when we have a bigger house, like someday when we have better stuff, someday when the kids are just a little bit older, like, then, like, we'll, we'll be able to kind of enjoy a relationship with them. Someday when we retire and life just turns into this, like, this flow of peace and tranquility and we get to do nothing except the things we want to do with our time. Like, right? We live for this retirement, this golden age retirement. How, how does that work out? It doesn't. I know you all. You're busier than you were when you were working 40 or 50 hours a week, Right? And so, but sometimes we can live for someday, and then that someday doesn't, doesn't happen the way we think. Um, someday when things slow down, right, then, we'll, then we'll enjoy life. Um, Carmen and I have this, this phrase that we've, we've started repeating to each other as a way of keeping us from someday. Because so, I know it's my tendency. It's my tendency, both of us. We kind of have similar personalities, and we, we tend to like, next thing. Like, let's just get on to the next thing. And, and so this little phrase that we've been saying to each other just over the last few months is this. Um, these are the best days. These are the best days. And it's like, so sometimes, you know, it's just, hey, we'll go for a walk, um, you know, on my day off, or we'll go, whatever, cleaning the house, or, you know, just kind of, just time, time together, time with the kids, time as a, as a family, and we'll look at each other and we'll say, like, you know what, these are the best days. And it's just the awareness that says, like, Life is happening here and now. It's happening right now. It doesn't mean we're not planning for the future. It doesn't mean we're not praying about the future. But it means that if we want to experience God's goodness and presence, it's going to happen now. That's why the Bible again and again says today, 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 if you hear God's voice. So there's this um, misplaced hope. It can lead us to the someday syndrome where we, we, we can wake up someday and realize that someday never came. And we've missed out on so many of the best days. So the Bible gives us wisdom. If we want to have hope, the kind of hope that, that can actually feed us and can lead us to, to the full kind of life that Jesus wants for us, the Bible gives us incredible wisdom on how to, how to do that. And so um, 
I want to look at two words in the Old Testament. There are two Hebrew words that are translated hope. Um, and, and just, uh, if you go back one slide to the Bible Project. How many of you are familiar with the Bible Project? Show of hands. Tim Mackey, Bible Project. Absolutely phenomenal resources. Like, I cannot recommend uh, this enough. The Bible Project, uh, and maybe you've seen the videos and you're not even aware of it. Uh, but some of what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks comes from the Bible Project. Kind of like using some of their materials. And so what we're going to do is sometime uh, this next week, like probably in the e-connections, we'll send out links to these videos on these words of Advent, hope and joy and peace and love, so that it'll kind of work as a reminder of the things we've talked about on Sunday morning. But the Bible Project's mission is to show how the whole Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? So great resources, so you can check those out coming this week. But two words in the Old Testament that are translated wait, and uh, need your help here. The first one is yachal. Can you do that? Yachal. Go ahead. You can be brave. Ready? Yachal. Very good. Yes, I heard that down here. That's, that's wonderful. And it, uh, translation is to wait. How many of you are excited about that? What does hope mean? Waiting. Waiting. That's what hope is. This is, where is one of the most popular words in the Old Testament for hope is to wait. And the other one is kava. Kava. Everybody say kava. And it's also translated to wait, but it's a little bit different. It's to wait with expectation. Like there's, there's this intense feeling of, of expectation. And sometimes it can mean to stretch. To stretch. So to wait. Both of the most prominent words in the Old Testament that are translated hope mean to wait. Wait. So let's take a look at Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ear be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. Here it is, verse 5. I wait, I kava for the Lord. My whole being kava. And in his word, I put my yahal, my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. I wait for you, Lord. So, so waiting and hope are synonymous. They're actually used interchangeably. Um, and, and, and so in, in this way, hope, biblical hope, right? To, ho- to, to wait, we could say this way, is to wait with expectation, to wait with anticipation. It's not a passive waiting. It's not saying I, I'm just going to like sit here and do nothing and wait for God to somehow you know, work all this out. But it is a, is a waiting, a partnership with God because there, there's expectation. We're, we understand that it's not all up to us. And so hope actually has two opposites. Isn't that interesting? Hope has two opposites. The first one is hopelessness. Right? It just you, you give up hopelessness. We, we get that. That's the opposite of hope. You lose all hope. You have nothing to, to move you forward. So that's one of the opposites of hope. But the other opposite of hope is impatience. Ooh. Impatience. Do you know the times in my life when I've been most foolish? Is when I've been most impatient. Fools rush in, right? When, when it's like... Um, it's, it's got to be now. It's got to be my way. It's got to be now. It's got to happen right here, right now. And I rush things. And those are the moments I look back at my life and I say, I wish I could do that over again. The most foolish things we do in our life are when we're impatient, when we're rushing things. 
to, to learn how to wait, to learn how to hope, to put your hope in God is, is to wait with some, some patience. But there's a sense of, um, there's a sense of eager anticipation. Um, one of the things I love about the way the church year functions is the church year begins with Advent. It doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. It starts with four weeks that lead up to the birth of Jesus. So you don't like start with like, woo, Jesus is here, you know, Emmanuel, um, you know, little baby Jesus. You actually start by like entering into the longing, the expectation that like something is going to happen. Like there, there's this sense that like, I'm not quite sure exactly what is going to happen, but I can feel it. Like I, there's this visceral sense of kava, right? Uh, stretching like you you have you had those moments like in your life when you can you can feel this almost palpable sense of anticipation that um you're you're waiting um this is what the psalmist says right like take a look again at verse five i wait for you lord my whole being waits for you lord like there is every part of me is anxious god about what you are going to do when you show up into my life have you felt this way this is a sense of kavah, of expectation. Anybody? Has anybody ever felt this way? My son, right? My son this morning, we were talking, and, uh, and he actually said, this is no joke, this is this morning uh, before I came, and we were like looking at the clock, because like, daddy has to get ready to go. And, uh, and we're watching the clock go, and I was like, isn't it funny how like a minute goes by really slowly when you're watching the clock? And he says to me, he says, Dad, isn't that crazy? These are my words, not his. But isn't it crazy how, how like, when you're really excited about something, time goes really fast, but when you're really, like, bored, time goes really slow? I wish it was the opposite. Like, when you're waiting for something and you just, like, you can't take it anymore. That is what kava is. To wait, longing, expectation. To wait expectantly. Now, Psalm 25 says it this way. And, and, and you'll notice, like, throughout the Bible, hope, this kind of longing expectation, this kind of, like, jittery, I can't take it anymore, is not for something, it's not for some circumstances, it's not for some vision of the future. Hope is always in a person, and it's always in God. This thing that we're expectingly waiting for is God. Listen to Psalm 25. Uh, Guide me to your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Like, my hope, God, is in you, I am expecting you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. And this is what makes hope different from optimism. Because optimism is just choosing to see how things could work out for the best. Like, oh, okay, I mean, it's not ideal right now, but I'm going to choose to see that the glass is half full. And I'm going to choose to see how things could work out for the best, how the circumstances could be arranged to, um, to actually be a good thing. But hope, biblical hope, is it doesn't have anything to do with the circumstances changing. I mean, Psalm 130 that we read, right? Like, God, hear my cry for help. I'm in the pit. Like, I'm in trouble. God, I need you. I need you. I need your presence with me. My hope is in you. This is what biblical hope is. It's not in saying my circumstances are going to change. Because if we're honest, our circumstances may not change. They might not. But God has promised that he's with us, that he loves us, and he's going to be faithful to us. Look at verse 7, Psalm 130. Israel, people of God, Israel, put 
your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. Would you say unfailing love with me? Unfailing love. Now, this word for unfailing love is, is sometimes translated steadfast or steadfastness. Um, another name for steadfastness is what? Stability. Like that in the middle of an unstable life, in the middle of a world that is shaky, in the middle of all of these things that we could put our hope in that just cannot bear the weight of it because they themselves are too shaky, there is one thing. It's actually not a thing at all, but there is someone who is able to hold our hope. And it's God. That God, the reason we put our hope in God is because of his unfailing love, his steadfastness, his stability. That when God promises something, that God will follow through on those promises. That God is the most anchored, the most centered, the most stable thing in this world. So when God says, I will be with you, I will be with you. In fact, I am with you. We trust that what God says God means. That in the middle, whatever the circumstances are right now in your life, that God is with you. And God loves you. And God sees you. And God's for you. And God will give you everything you need to be faithful to Him. And when God says, and when He speaks this promise into a broken world where there's all sorts of things going wrong, when God says, I will make all things new. Like, I will renew everything. We can trust Him. That what God says, God will do. That, that we have no idea how it's going to happen. We have no idea when it's going to happen. We have no idea what our role is going to be in it. But we wake up in the morning and we can trust God's promise that when God says, I will make all things new, that he's trustworthy and he's good and he's true. So we put our hope, our expectation in the Lord. First Peter uh, 1 verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. He's just saying that song, Living Hope, right? He's given us like new birth, a new identity into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That our hope is anchored in God's faithfulness. That what God has done in the past, the ways that he has been faithful, the way he's been faithful to come into this world in the person of Jesus and to teach and to live a a life sort of above the fray of fallen humanity. That Jesus to actually give his life to take away the sins of the whole world. That Jesus entered into the experience of death and was raised again to new and eternal life three days later, validating everything that Jesus said and did by the power of God. That it is God's faithfulness in the past that inspires us to put our hope in God for our future and the world's future. So we put our hope in the Lord, in this living hope, and we choose then, we choose to orient our lives toward hope, to turn ourselves and to live toward hope, understanding that our circumstances may not change, but our hope isn't in our circumstances. Understanding that, like, even, even, though, even though we will wake up and things will continue to be hard in our life, we will choose again to put our hope in the Lord and in God's presence and in God's promises. And so a couple questions as we, as we end this morning. What does it look like for me to put my hope in God and to live toward hope? Just take a moment and reflect on that. What does it look like for me to put my hope in God here now, today, in this moment, not waiting for someday, but now, <clears throat> to put my hope in God and to live toward hope. What does that look like in your life? 
as we begin this Advent season of waiting expectantly. <clears throat> and then the second question is this. Are there places in my life where I'm being impatient? Like, I'm, I don't want to wait. I'm done waiting, and I, I want this thing to be fixed now, and I'm going to do it myself. Are there places where you're being impatient? Now, one of the things, <clears throat> as a people of faith, like, we, we trust that if we put our hope in God, that God is going to, to bring stability into a shaky world, into a shaky life. And as we do that, as we put our hope in God and we experience the goodness of that, we, we want to offer that hope to other people, like in real practical ways. It's part of what we do as a people of faith. And so one of the ways that we're asking um, the church, and we're inviting the church to participate in that, is by giving these, these things called hygiene kits. Now, we have a group of ladies who, who get together uh, a couple times a month on Wednesday mornings, and they, they sew, quilt, uh, they do phenomenal stuff. And one of the things they do is they pack kits like this. And uh, it's a really useful bag, drawstring, everything can be used. And then it's packed, uh, it has a toothbrush, a bar of soap, nail clippers, a hand towel, and a comb. And, and then it's toothpaste is added to this later. And these are sent to people all over the world who have been displaced because of war or natural disaster to give them the dignity of just being clean. Right? This, is a, this is a basic human need. And so we have an opportunity as a church to partner with God to bring hope to people who experience hopelessness. Um, last year, Mennonite Central Committee gave away about 70,000 of these. And so how cool if we as a church could partner with that. And so what we're inviting you to do is as you're doing your, your Christmas thing, you're doing your Christmas shopping, what would happen if you just said, you know what, we're going to buy one less gift for each other as a family. We're just going we're gonna to scale down Christmas a bit. We're going to sacrifice one gift that we would normally give for each other. And we're actually going to choose to put a couple of these kits together instead as a family. And so you can go out. There's a, as you leave today, you go out in the fellowship center. There's a stable set up there with little tags on it. And you can pick up a tag that says, hey, I'm going to get two toothbrushes or five toothbrushes or a couple bars of soap. And you know, there's stuff laid out there to give you a picture of, of what that looks like. But as we experience the hope of God, we want to share that hope with others. Uh, let's pray. God, Thanks so much, God. We thank you for just your goodness and your presence. God, open our eyes here and now to see, to see that you are with us. And God, uh, I, God, I just acknowledge the way that uh, I am incredibly inspired, God, by the, these people, by my spiritual family who are living through really hard circumstances and are choosing hope. God, thank you. God, would you bless, would you bless us with an awareness of your love today. God, we, we wait for it. We wait expectantly for it. God, more than watchmen wait for the morning. God, we wait for you. God, reveal yourself. Make yourself known now, here, here in our lives, God. God, we ask that uh, as, you, as you do, as you show up, as you give us a picture of the the goodness of who you are. God, that you would inspire us. You would inspire us to live toward hope, toward you. You would inspire us to share hope with the people around us. God, right, right in our families, our coworkers, our friends. And God, through these relief kits or other ways around the world, God, inspire us toward hope, to live toward it. I pray this in Jesus' name.